Welcome to True Mysteries, Stories of the Strange and Unexplained. I'm your host, Kit Crum, and we've been following the paranormal adventures of Ray Ruckus all the way from the Alaskan Triangle, where he confronted Bigfoot without a camera, to the island of Hokkaido, one of Japan's most haunted places around Schoolhouse, where he actually passed through a doorway he believes led to a fourth dimension. Now he's on board to work with a documentary on Pirate's Island, which is just off of Madagascar. But before I turn it over to you, Ray, um, I do want to let people know that this is Friday, and I am giving away 25 free audiobooks of my thriller project, Deepwater. And all you have to do is contact me at kitkcrumb at gmail.com. Say you want a copy, a free copy audio of that audiobook, and I will send you a code with instructions how to use it to get a free audio book or audio version of my thriller, Project Deepwater. And now I'll turn it over to you, Ray. Well, thank you, Kit. Um, I'm going to pick up a little or, or back up a little bit to bring you up uh, up to where we are. I'd actually gone into a tunnel at this point, and I checked my watch, and I counted steps just over 15 minutes. I was confronted with a sharp right turn. I turned my head so that the light of my helmet shined down the tunnel and I couldn't see an end and decided to go backtrack and climb back out, sure that Billy and Cal and his film crew would be setting up camp on the airstrip. Wrong. Okay, that's where I left off. Now, not only had Billy not returned, but someone had slit the tent although the contents of my gym bag, and that included my sleeping bag, were untouched. I stormed over to the shack, thinking that Guma might have something to do with this, but he hadn't returned either. I returned to the tent, pulled out a butane canister attached it to my hot plate, and started the water boiling for a yummy meal of dehydrated beef wellington. Yum. With uh, someone else on the island who had slit holes in the tent, I decided it might not be a good idea to go back down into the tunnel. Finished with my food and somewhat less than satisfied, I walked down to the beach to wash out my tin pot. Then I stopped. Uh, you know, it was kind of scary at first. I stepped out of that jungle and the dugout canoe was back. Call as I might, Billy didn't answer. Odd how the paddle was stuck in the sand, handle buried. On the flat portion of the paddle was scrawled a message. Oh boy, one single word, leave. You didn't have to ask me twice. I went back to the tent to gather my things, and it just dragged my now-packed gym bag out of what was left of the tent when I heard what I was sure a blast from a shotgun that came from the direction of the beach. Well, I started down the path that led to the beach and broke off and bushwhacked through the jungle parallel to the beach so that I would come out about a hundred yards above the dugout. I assumed that's where the blast had come from. Keeping one eye on the jungle, my immediate left, and the other eye on the dugout, I did my best to slink down the to the beach, and then finally slink down the beach. When I reached the canoe, it had two holes in the bottom about the size of a softball. Apparently, the person that left the sign on the paddle telling me to leave disagreed with someone else who wanted me to stay. For no reason in particular, I rolled the canoe over. I straightened up at the sound of splashing. Someone was running down the beach. I hopped to the other side of the canoe, put them between that runner and myself, and watched as a man with the build of a linebacker was rapidly approaching. When I instinctively took a step back, my foot banged into the paddle. Ah, a weapon. My martial arts training included the Joe, basically a short staff. I took a calming breath and 
push my feet deep into the sand to get a stable stance as possible. As he neared, it seemed that he was cutting a slight angle as though he intended to miss me. I braced for impact when he hurtled the canoe to my right, but to my surprise, he yelled without slowing, Run! I pivoted around to follow his progress. He'd stopped. He was now facing the way he'd come, bent slightly at the waist, arms out at his size like a wrestler. He caught my eye and pointed. I increased the distance between us and lucked the way he pointed. Down the beach, I couldn't say how far, stood a pirate. And I mean the classic image. Long hair, top with a three-pointed hat, hook on one hand, peg leg on the other leg. His pants billowed in the sea breeze, and his blouse was unbuttoned to his belt. Whoever was trying to scare us had watched too many pirate movies, if you ask me. My linebacker walked up next to me and asked if I saw the pirate. My reply was born of a skeptic. Yeah, I replied. Let's go get him. Armed with my deadly paddle and a 300-pound Samoan, I set a brisk pace. Sure enough, our ghost pirate vanished as we approached, and I mean he vanished. To my complete amazement, there were no tracks. My friend looked like he had the strength to twist a truck tire into a figure eight. Although he'd been running scared from the apparition, I felt a little safer with him at my side. He followed me back to the trail, but when we reached the airstrip, the tent was gone. My gym bag was gone also. I checked Guma's shack, but it was still empty. With nothing else to do, I headed back to the pirate graveyard. I found my rope still wrapped around the tree next to the first tunnel, the end snaking down the opening, and I wondered if I'd find my gym bag where the tunnel first ended. I turned to my large friend and asked him to stand guard over the rope that I was going to descend. It was a kind of funny thing. He just nodded. Aside from his warning to run, he hadn't uttered a single word. Against my better judgment, I confidently descended the 15 or so feet to what I thought of as the first level of the tunnel. When I looked up, my rope guard was looking down at me. I gave him a wave and a smile I knew he couldn't see and continued on. I checked my watch and at 15 minutes, I was where I'd stopped before. I pushed on. The tunnel was going down, not steep, just not level anymore. Another ten minutes and the tunnel opened into a chamber about the size of a large bedroom, maybe twenty by twenty feet. For some reason, I decided to take stock. Fortunately, I'd worn my butt pack and I'd first gone down to the beach to wash out my breakfast pot. It contained matches, a lighter candle, two water bottles, a tiny pen light, and a headlamp, and a space blanket, and chocolate. I leaned against the tunnel opening, not entering the chamber. Often, if you do nothing like me standing the way I was, people tend to reveal themselves in conversation, and maybe my pirate man would appear. Sure enough, my ghost pirate appeared, and for all I was worth, I couldn't see where he came from. And he was waving at me. Not a high hello, not that kind of wave, but a flick of his hand waving, urging me to go away. The image wasn't clear and reminded me of the rippling wall in the haunted schoolhouse on Japan's island of Hokkaido. The skeptic I am drove me forward. The closer I got to the ghost, the more frantic he became, flicking a hand for me to go back. Then he would look over at one side of the chamber. I followed his gaze, and I saw a tunnel. As if that's all he wanted, he vanished. A sound was coming out of the tunnel, and it was definitely not of the supernatural kind. I wasn't ten feet into the tunnel when a spindly stick of a man with a shock of white hair down to his shoulders dropped the shovel he was using, turned to face me, pulling a pistol from a holster he wore like a cowboy. 
His skin was shiny and speckled with sweat and sand. Keeping the gun leveled at my chest, he picked up the shovel and threw it at me with instructions to dig. I let it fall at my feet, then squinted into the dim light, and Pirate Ghost was dancing from one foot to another like a boy that had to pee, weaving back and forth. And then I saw why. Water was oozing through the sand that formed the wall the old man had been digging at. I stepped back into the mouth of the tunnel, and he fired a shot in my direction. I lurched back into the tunnel even further, at the same time turning off my headlamp. There was another shot, and the sound of rushing water, and the words of Tim Crisofoli came back in a flash. Pirate traps built in the tunnels to catch anyone that might try to steal their booty. The screams and gurgling screams of the old man drove me back down the tunnel. Then I was running, my feet squishing with every step, then ankle deep in water, all the time fumbling to turn on my headlamp. When I saw the rope, it was floating on two feet of water. My wet hands couldn't get a solid grip. I was... Duck. There began to be a whip-like movement, and when I looked up, my very muscular friend was looking down. I took a couple wraps around each arm, gave the rope a yank, and to my great relief, he was pulling me up. When we reached the opening, I began to crawl and was helped to my feet by my Samoan friend, and together we ran down the hill to the beach. Wet to the thigh, hands rope burned to a greater degree. I staggered to the water's edge and pushed my hands into the cool sand. I pulled my hands out with a sudden feeling that I was alone, and my helpmate was gone. I had no idea that a man that size could move so fast. No jungle sound or splashing, but when I looked down the beach, there was my pirate ghost. I swear he was laughing and waving as he danced from one leg to the other. I fell on my back and closed my eyes. I was exhausted. The rising tide lapping at my knees brought me around, although I don't think I was sleeping. I trudged back up the trail, crossed the pirate graveyard, and stood staring at the opening of the first tunnel, now filled to the overflow with seawater and something else. Dropping to my knees, I stretched an arm out and managed to get hold of a piece of wood. When I shifted my weight back and pulled my arm in, it became obvious that what I had latched onto was the size and thickness of a breadboard, except it was about two feet long. I finally fell back totally onto my butt, grabbing the board with the other hand in the process. At first, I thought it might be part of the plank, but upon examination, I could see that one end was cut notched like it was meant to dovetail into another board. When I flipped it over, I was overwhelmed by the sight of 12 coins that were pressed edgewise into the soft wood, but not coins at all, off-round circular pieces of gold, doubloons, 12 doubloons. I don't know how long I sat by the entrance to the tunnel speculating on assembling a dive team before the reality of such a task hit home. I pushed a stand, dropped the pirate booty in my pocket, and walked to the airfield. Still no tent, no gym bag, and the shack still empty. And I'm going to stop the story right there, kid. It gets a little more exciting as we continue on. And I understand you have some books to give away. Is that so? Yes, indeed it is. I have 25 copies of my thriller, Project Deepwater, and all you have to do is contact me at kitkcrum at gmail.com and say, hey, Kit, I want one of those books, those free audiobook Project Deepwater. And I will send you via email a code with instructions how to get your free copy of the audiobook version of Project Deepwater. Now, this is a full novel, and it is professionally edited and professionally narrated. 
Just contact me at kitkcrum at gmail.com, and I will send you that code and instructions how to get your free book. Well, this is Kit Crum. And this is Ray Ruckus. Be sure to listen tomorrow, or actually Monday, when we will be uh, concluding my adventures on Pirate Island. And it's a very interesting conclusion. So thank you for listening. Be sure to listen Monday.